you know, I don't know. Like, you just look at, like, like, like look at this team right now. Like, Houston and, and Los Angeles. There's three minutes to go in the second quarter as we record this, and it's 46-40. Like, this is not the kind of thing you expect to happen. I, I, I don't, I, I just don't care, like, what, like, But you the, always the expect what's going to happen is what's going to happen. What? And this year has been such a smorgasbord of what could happen. You know, like, we've got teams who are... You know, I, I don't have everything in front of me, but we've, you know, had all kinds of upset. We've had all kinds of really close games down to the wire between teams that you didn't think would be close. I mean, so that's gonna things happen. just don't happen uh, uh, the listen, way you think they're going to happen. That's true that's to a sense. That's why we watch sports. That, that's true in a sense. But the Lakers hanging with the Rockets is like, I, I think you're a little bit, and this is kind of funny coming from me, a little bit jaded of, of the idea of what's supposed to happen versus not supposed to happen because we're sitting here watching the Blazers lose to an Anthony Davis-less Pelicans team. Um, okay. <laughs> they still had Boogie. I, like, why would you think? Okay, let's let's start. Let's get started because we've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just jump right in. Hey, Blazer fans. Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. I am Tara Bowen Biggs. Here with Danny Meringue. Ah, the Danny's sticking. It's it, it looks like it's thicking. Like, you know, you I, are never going to live that down. I, I'm probably never going to live it down, but I probably need to change the uh, the old Twitter handle back because I think Danny's zero and two or or one and two. I don't know. It's just, it's it's not looking good so far. That's for sure. Dan, I know that you have an overinflated sense of self, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that your Twitter Twitter handle isn't the reason the Blazers lost the last two games. Uh, uh, no, on uh, the list of reasons a bit more that have cost the and we'll losses, find out if that low. comes up as a reason. How's that? Uh, I, can, I can probably rattle off quite a few things before we get to that, but I'm going to go ahead and, and okay, say it's a so contributory here- factor. Here's what I think we should do. I think we should. The, so the Blazers are coming. They they came home from a five game road trip where they were four and one. It was so exciting. They <laughs> outperformed our expectations, at least my expectations. Uh, came home yeah. and have lost the last two games. Yeah, right? I mean, I mean that, that road trip went. I, honestly, I think everybody would have called three and two uh, a successful trip. Two and three was kind of like expected. Uh, one and four would have been like, man, that sucks. But like when you look at who they were playing and, and where the, this kind of schedule kind of rolled through, you're like, okay, I could see that happening. Like things could go south and uh, Minu still isn't back. And But then lo and behold, we get one and four. Like uh, you have to four kind of. Four and one. Or, yeah, excuse me, four and one. Yeah, that's. that's I, I, now I'm thinking. Did I say no? One no, and no. Four? I'm the idiot. Uh, <laughs> four and one. Uh, I, 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 I was probably sitting here thinking with the way things were kind of playing out that it was going to go one and four. It was so ingrained in my head that one and four, two and three, we're going to be okay. But yeah, you come home four and one. Um, but yeah, the, you kind of expect after four and one road trip, the, the old adage, you know, the first game back, it's kind of like being on the road still. But Portland was, you know, they had some time off. It wasn't like they were like off the road and then immediately back on the court again. Okay, I have a couple things to say. I think the schedule seems like they have like all this extra time built in for health. And I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I like the fact that they're healthy. Don't get me wrong. But like getting back into a game fact, right away. But I like, I feel like there's too much time in between games and like, it's not quite enough time to have like a real intense practice, but it's, uh, you know, too, it's, 
you know, people, I don't know. I just feel like things are really dragging out and they have too much time in between games to like really establish. And that's why I was excited that they went on the road. And that's why I think why they did well on the road. Well, they did well on the road because they, they kind of got in a group, but they also did well because, you know, teams up and down the entire schedule on the road were missing their star players. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and they will. I, I mean, teams are going to continue losing their star players. Not I like mean, this. at some point we might lose our. I but mean, Dan, everybody else still has to play those teams as well. Yeah, but I'm it's t- not like everybody says, oh, Portland's grouped. coming. Let's make no, sure our star player is injured. No, it, it's just the, the, the luck of the draw. But that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, everything is kind of lined up for Portland to do well, and they're still sitting there finding themselves clawing at, at the records. Like, it's just kinda, it's like you play a Memphis team that doesn't have Mike Conley and things are going sideways and Marcus Gasol's about ready to just lose it. And they're at the time we're on the verge of firing their head coach. So things weren't going well there. You play Philly who granted Markel Fultz hasn't really been in the lineup and we haven't really seen what he's going to, going to be, but that's still, that's, that's a big piece of their franchise missing. Uh, John Wall he hasn't, sitting He hasn't out. been a part of their franchise at all this year. They've got plenty of other really star players. But not that's having kind of, Markel Fultz is not something that we can say, well, they didn't have Markel no, Fultz. No, but that's so. what I'm saying is like they, Philly gave it to Portland without him. That's, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the crazy thing. Um, you got no John Wall for the Wizards. Uh, Enos Cantor, you laugh all you want for the Knicks, but Enos Cantor being out is huge. He, he, I'm looking at it, what he did tonight. I think he had yeah, 18 and 16. Tonight, I, I mean, love that he's turning out to be like he's, a total. He's the perfect piece alongside person in Knicks. I'm so excited that yeah. he fits in so well. I mean, there. he's the perfect guy for for what the Knicks want alongside Porzingis. I mean, he he's playing some defense. He's eating up the paint. Porzingis is coming off the weak side and blocking shots left and right. So, I mean, again, Portland, I, I think, is getting lucky with a lot of these injuries and the, and the, where things are happening for them on the schedule. But Portland is also. I don't want to say they're taking advantage of those. They they are ultimately in the win column, but they're boy, doing what they, 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 they do. Well, well. <laughs> in, in, in the end of it, in the end of it, in the road trip, they they took care of what they needed to as far as the win loss column. They didn't make it easy on themselves, and I think in those situations they needed. And people will say, "Well, yeah, another team gets a boost when a guy's out. Guys step up." Yeah, but when you're talking about wanting to be up there as Portland gets up there. Those are the opportunities you need to take advantage of. But I will, the one thing, at least for me, to take away from that road trip beyond the 4-1 and one was, hey, Dame found his offense. Yay! That was exciting. And you know what? <laughs> if we wanted to be fans of a team where you could um, predict what was going to happen, there are, you know, we could be fans of the team from the Bay Area, and that would be... I like, you know, I like But we're not. We are Blazer fans, and so we are sticking through with them. So we're masochists. Why are you laughing? Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, so I want to talk about the two games that the Blazers just played at home, the two losses, and because I want to know what happened. Because let me tell you what I thought going in. I'm going to give you a little trip into my mind, Dan. This is what I thought was going to happen. Hold on. Okay, so with Milwaukee... To be honest, I actually never thought that this was good a good matchup for no. the Blazers. No, I mean, most not. people probably didn't think it was a great matchup for the Blazers. I think they were actually favored to win the game, but I don't know. My 12-year-old cat could have come up with better odds than that. I don't yeah. know why they were <laughs> favored Milwaukee in this matchup. Milwaukee is a matchup nightmare for Portland. So there's the there's the length, you know, outside of Eric Bledsoe and uh, Jason Terry, they're all arms and legs. Yeah. That doesn't bode well for our undersized guards, especially when we're playing three undersized yeah. guards. Um, 
the red jerseys. <laughs> Laugh all you want. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not against it at all. Like it's. it's... I've been keeping track for the last few years, and yeah. even in those lovely, beautiful, very popular red jerseys of uh, of your. They did not have a great record in the red jerseys. Uh, you also brought up earlier the thing about the first game back being like the last game of a road trip. And I don't have any stats. And I really wish I knew somebody who could pull those stats for me <sighs> to back that up. Um, but I think it's it's kind of something that I've heard talked about in yeah, a few it, different places. It is so. an old NBA adage, and there is some truth to it. I, I have to pull the numbers to, to pull historical truth from it. But it's... It's something that's pretty well known as far as not not necessarily win loss, but how teams perform. Um, you you hear it from coaches, you hear it from players. It's just they're just the rhythm of being at home isn't there. So I mean, right, that, right. Just, no, and I imagine after you've been on a road for an extended period of time, and especially then you come a five game trip, and, yeah, you're right. just, you're, you're, so, but there's actually. There was one other reason that I thought this was going to be uh, a tough go for the Blazers going into it, and that has to do with the type of defense that they've been playing. I've been reading really closely the Mike Richmond articles, right? Mike Richmond for the Oregonian, he's been writing articles about like what type of defense the the Blazers has been playing and what what it's been sort of based on. Mm-hmm. He wrote an article about how like I think it was in the preseason where the coaches were like, okay, should we stick with the same principles we've been teaching and, you know, trying to get everybody to espouse over the last three seasons, or do we just start from scratch? And mm-hmm. they decided that they were going to keep doing what they were doing. And basically they just um, tweaked one the part of it. Bit. Right. And one part, I mean, the, the thing that it's predicated on, as far as I understand is limiting the number of threes that the opponent gets and making their, uh, you know, not getting those threes. So like reducing yeah, step, their opponent's step one, eliminate percentage. Step two, I eliminate the threes. And then if they do take the threes, you contest. know, uh, make them tough and contested yep. and, and make their, uh, make it hard. So I, I would, I had latched onto this and the, um, the Milwaukee bucks are not a big three point, you know, scoring team. They're, you know, pretty low in terms of the number of attempts. There's one guy so you really like, need to worry about. That, that's really what right. it comes I mean, down to. So, I mean, it makes sense that Portland right now would be pursuing that type of defense because they have to play the teams from the West three or four times. They mm-hmm. have to play Houston. They have to play the team from the Bay Area. And it makes sense that they're, that's what the type of defense that they're focusing on. And every once in a while, they're going to get teams that they match up poorly in that category. So I was, so I, (laughs) this was, this was so disappointing because I spent all Saturday reading up about this type of defense. And I was just like, this is going to be awesome because we're going to play the Pelicans. And even though we lost the night, they lost the game the night before they're going to, you know, stick to those defensive principles and they're going to hold the Pelicans down in their three point shooting. They're going to reduce their shots. And that is so not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) The Pelicans ended up shooting uh, 31 to their opponents against the Blazers. They usually have been shooting an average of about 25. So so, so they're getting more attempts off. And they're hitting right, more. so they got more attempts. And not only that, the Blazers have been really good this year. So I looked historically. Last year, the Blazers were pretty good at limiting the amount of threes that their opponents Particularly took. in the corners. They weren't terrible at that. Right, so they were pretty good at that. But the percentage that their opponents were getting was very high in yep. the league. 
this year, they've been able to turn that around. So they've been able to hold down the number of attempts and they've been able to hold down the shooting percentage. Mm -hmm. And then last night happened and their opponent shot 48% from three. And here's here's the the kicker. And what happened? Rajon Rondo, two of three. Tony Allen, one of two. Dante Cunningham, two of two. Like, when that happens, pack it up, go home. Rajon Rondo and Tony Allen are hitting threes on the same night. Just throw out the circus tent, get out the unicycle, because stuff's going crazy. I mean, (laughs) you're talking about two of, historically, the worst shooters in the entire league. I mean, for guys that actually get minutes, and I mean, it, like I made a joke, like it was death by by Rondo jumpers. He was five of nine mm-hmm. from the field last night, and, and or you're, you're sitting there just like, no, this, this you not this way. It's like you're sitting there writing your own obituary, and you're like, somebody else takes the pen, and you're like, no, no, not like this, not like this, please God, not like this. Because, I mean, if Boogie drops 40 and 20 on you, and guys are getting to the rim, and they're just dropping dimes all over the floor, and they're, they're slicing you up in the paint, you expect that. But there's no AD. So there's, there's no gravity elsewhere. And, and for the most part, um, and we'll, we'll get to Myers because we have to get to Myers. Myers, in a one-on-one capacity, made Boogie work his butt off on shots. Mm-hmm. Now, Boogie hit some shots that were just, you, you tip the cap about six times and go home. Because, I mean, he's, <laughs> he, he is what he is. I mean, he's just a monster. But the, the other guys just killing Portland. Dante Cunningham hitting two wide-open corner threes when everybody's like, go ahead and take them. I mean, yeah. I get the idea. Cunningham shooting twenty nine percent on 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 threes, heading into that game, thirty percent, and you kind of want him stepping into that shot. But I mean, you got to be within ten feet. But what, I mean, the Blazers have been focused on this. I, I, I okay, so we're both pretty worked up about this. Let's take a step back. Give me a. I can't believe I'm asking this. Give me a measured explanation of what happened to the Blazers defense last night against the Pelicans. Okay. The first quarter was fine. And you, you could the see first, it. like quarter and like, three quarters. <laughs> no, nah, nah, it, it, it fell. It, even if it didn't replicate on the scoreboard, the, the effort and the intensity and the focus more than not, not even halfway into the second quarter. It was, okay. it was gone. Like it was, okay. it, it was very, very adamant. Like where, like the switch was flipped and Nurkic and Dane both said it in the post game comments. I, I, I don't, I don't even have to guess. They, they looked past new Orleans because AD was out. They saw AD walking into well, the motor I mean, center like, on crutches. I can say see that they shouldn't look past new Orleans. Yeah. They, like, they why should are they looking past they, new they Orleans when look AD... past anybody, this is not the team that can look past anybody. If this was, they if, have no room for error. No, <laughs> like, yeah, you can have Dame CJ, excuse me, and Nurkic. And if, one of those guys has an off night against any opponent. You're, you're struggling. You, you don't have the ability to have somebody step in there and just fill 30 points if one of those guys have an off night. And CJ had one of his off nights. I mean, it, he was, ended up 8 of 22, and that was recovering. I think at one point in time he was 2 of 12. Like mm-hmm. he, it, it's weird because CJ's always been the guy that I always when people talk about the the, the distinctions between Dame and CJ. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap in their game. How they go about things is is very different. Um, but I, Dame to me is always the kind of guy. And I, I want to shout out Ben Gull over here a little bit of shake rating. Dame's the guy that has the wild nights where he can have some really bad shooting nights, but he can also have some nights where he can drop twenty plus in a quarter 
You know, I kind of group those guys, like five right, to uh-huh. eight guys in the league who can just go absolutely ham in a quarter and, and win you a game in that one quarter. CJ, I think, has the propensity to do it much less frequently, but his consistency is much more steady. Um, mm-hmm. Over the last two weeks, I think CJ's had two or three of his worst shooting outings of his career. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's just it's just wild how that's that's occurred. Um, uh, this is kind of I mean it is it's tongue in cheek. Like he switched from Nike to Lee Ning, and if you look at all the Lee Ning athletes, like it's just a roster of non shooters. Like when he signed with Lee Ning, I was kind of hoping that he would go like work with Dwayne Wade and and learn how to finish in the paint through contact and draw free throws, like the only hole in CJ's game. But instead, like through osmosis, he took Dwayne Wade and everybody else in Lee Ning's poor shooting. And he's like absorbed that over the past couple of weeks. Like it's it's the only reason, the justification I can find for CJ struggling, like, it's because this is a guy that throughout his career has not had like back to back bad shooting nights, and he's had okay three out of four. It's just weird. I mean, is it are are people playing him? No, he's, he's they, getting his is shots. Is there a new scouting report? He, okay, uh, he's from, getting to his spots. Yeah, he's from just what not. I'm, from what I see, like he's getting to his spots, and like from three, he's still been okay. Now mm-hmm. the, the Pelicans game, notwithstanding, he was one of six in that game. Um, so we're we're seeing a little bit of the regression from the fifty percent three point shooting, and maybe that's part of it is that he started out so well, and we're so used to him being unbelievable from three, which is true anyways. But also from the mid range, I mean, in, in my opinion, the best mid range shooter in the league is Kevin Durant. CJ is, I mean, we're we're, we're literally you know pull a hair off my head, and that's where CJ's at. And that the only mm-hmm. reason I give the nod to KD is because he's seven foot tall and he can get it off against anybody. But well, Evan Turner always says that the M is for mid range. Exactly. So, so I mean, he he he. Evan is had his ups and he's downs. He's actually pretty good in he's, the. He's, he's actually pretty good in the mid range. He's he, not Kevin Durant. No, but he's right now up, up until the last few games that he struggled. But I mean, Turner can get his shot there for the most part too. But I mean, I, I put uh, CJ and and KD in the. The, the elite of the elite category because they can get their shots and knock them down. CJ struggled from there recently uh, over the past two or three weeks, which is kind of weird to see. I don't know if that's just uh, maybe he has something nagging. Uh, maybe it's just a bad shooting streak, which is just for, for at least for me is weird to see. Like I, I yeah. don't, so I don't know where that comes from. You don't really have from. an explanation no, for it. It's because maybe, it's, it and hasn't we're happened. We're just going to ride it out, probably with him. It hasn't happened before, so like I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to adjust with. Like when CJ's had a bad shooting night in the past, it's the next night it's twenty five on you know twelve shots. Mm-hmm. So right. it, it's really strange to see this happen frequently. So that's a contributory factor in, in the game. But like, I you, wouldn't. I wonder if we went all the way back to college, if we would find. One. I, I don't. I don't think you would find CJ three out of four nights having a bad shooting night up until huh. this period in time as a trailblazer. Like I, off the top of my head, I just don't think it's happened. But kind of going back to where the, where this originally came from, the defense it completely disappeared, and it was because they didn't really they didn't care. And that that, Did that they sucks stop to talking? say. I mean, they stopped doing a lot of things. <laughs> There's there were some serious you know, brainwaves being shut down. Like there, there was no communication. People weren't closing out. Um, guys were getting beat at the point of attack. This is this is stuff that we talked about last year. Like that that mm-hmm. defense reared its ugly head, and I think it it stands out a ton because it's contrary to what we've seen so often from this team. I mean, it, it's it's nice to be able to say that this team this year is in a position where 
the ugly defense stands out in stark contrast because they've played well defensively most of the season. So I mean, that, that part of it, I guess, if you're looking for the upside, there it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, a couple of thoughts that I'd like to know what you think about. There were two you know, pretty major personnel changes that happened in the last two games, and that was Al-Faruq Aminu being back in the lineup, mm-hmm. and then also um, a larger um, play by Myers Leonard, at least in the Pelicans game. Yep. So how do the insertion of those two guys into the lineup um, affect the defense? Was it are they trying to get used to working with people that they aren't used to recently? Or what do you think could be going on there? Um, working Farouk in is a legitimate deal. Um, and I, I think that it sh- it's a positive thing. Defensively, it, it shouldn't really be an issue. And I think maybe more than, more than anything, it's just familiarity, just kind of getting back in that groove with him because he's, he's the team's best defender. I mean, that's, that kind of goes without saying. Um, both as a team defender and as a, and as a personal defender. Um, uh-huh. so that shouldn't really miss a beat you would think, but I mean, it's just, it's only natural. You're in a groove with Pat Connaughton and Evan Turner or Harkless or whoever else is Novon, like whoever else is out there. Um, and, and while I see a lot of people saying that, uh, coach Stotts needs to tweak this or change that Stotts has done a pretty hefty amount of juggling as far as lineups go. Mm-hmm. So for, for people who say that he needs to tweak this or change that, Stotts has done more than I think more than any other head coach in the league would, would willfully change. Like we've had mm-hmm. three or four different starting lineups in the past couple of weeks. That's for, for the NBA. That's a lot, especially when you don't, other than the Aminu injury, you don't have injuries. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to find the, the best possible situation to put these guys in to succeed. And I think that, they alluded to it in the post game last night. I think we may see Aminu shortly in the starting lineup again. Um, I don't know if that means Pat comes out of the three and Aminu goes in there and they start Aminu and Vonley, or if it means um, Pat stays in and Aminu goes to the four and they play a little bit smaller but a little bit more athletic. There's a lot of ways that can go. But um, working Myers in, I mean, Myers, when he came onto the floor, was looked like the only guy who cared against New Orleans. And I know I'll get stick for it for being a Myers guy, but he was a spark. I mean, he was a spark mm-hmm. both times he came on the floor and it wasn't just his offense. Mm-hmm. Um, when he came in and he, he grabbed that ball and started flexing, like it got the team going. Like it, there, there, there's plenty of times for me to, to gripe about things last night um, during the game. But Myers, I, other than I think one possession where he didn't help, uh, and instead stayed tight to Omar Ashik, which I don't think you necessarily have to do. And I think he caught himself on that one. Defensively or offensively, I didn't have a single problem with what Myers did. Um, he, he did what he needed to do. He made Boogie work his butt off. He knocked down shots. He was confident. He was physical at the point of attack. He slapped the living hell out of Boogie. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like that from him. And I know some people mm-hmm. were where uh, he's, he's fake, he's scared. Like, I don't think Myers is scared of anybody in this league. And in, in the, he, he apologized and he did that. I'm like, I, I, I think he apologized because he, he legitimately meant to slap the ball yeah. and not catch Boogie's entire you know, left shoulder. Um, and even Boogie so, said in the postgame. So like, working those guys in, like, this is the, the longest roundabout way, working those guys in I think is the least of Portland's issues 
because I think both mm-hmm. those guys can genuinely give Portland some things that they need. Um, Amidu obviously is consistency on the defensive end. Myers, I think, is, a, is this is something we've talked about before. The uniqueness of a player's skill set for a position, Myers to me is the only guy on this roster that offers that. Like Dame and CJ give you what you expect from the guard position. All, all mm-hmm. these guys all give you what you'd expect from their, their respective position. The one guy that's a tendency breaker is Myers. So mm-hmm. him being out there because of his floor, outside shooting, exactly. He he's a tendency breaker for a position. You pull an opposing center out, even if he only takes one or two threes. The the space that was given to the offense by Myers being out there, it's just it's massive. So I was thinking about this this afternoon because I was looking and I saw how little Ed Davis and Noah Vonley played, and mm-hmm. I mean Ed Davis had a fantastic first quarter. I mean, he played wonderfully and he was, well, he was perfect. I mean, he had those three for three or whatever he was. I mean, he had a really nice game. He was getting rebounds. He was aggressive. He was having a great game. And so boxer wise, him and Vonley both were both. Right. Right. So some people were wondering why Myers continued to play when those two had been so well. And my theory was because of what you just said is because Myers at least unclogs the paint a little bit. And well, is better I'm, actually for the offense. I'm going to go all hot techie here. If you can't see that, you, you need to readjust how you're watching basketball. Like the, the well, performance. Not everybody. No, no, no. Is I, it's, I'm, I'm just, I'm just up saying. Up to speed like I, you are, Dan. I, I'm, I'm just saying. If you're questioning why after that, after what Myers was giving you, and let's take Myers out of the whole thing. And this, if any player is stretching the floor like he was, giving the emotion to the crowd like he was, doing everything that he was doing, instigating Boogie, being physical, making him work for everything. If that's Noah Vonley, Noah Vonley gets every one of those minutes. If that's Ed Davis, he gets every one of those minutes. Myers was out there because of exactly what he was doing. Nobody should be questioning Myers Leonard being on the floor in that time period. Like that that right there is is absolutely evident. So taking, you know, his name out of the equation, because I think that's a good idea, you know, say, mm-hmm. say player, or, you know, Danny Leonard isn't there playing <laughs> people who are, you know, uh, not as into his game might still say, but Boogie still scored 38 points. Boogie had to work for every single shot against Myers and he hit some unreal shots. I mean, just, I mean, there was, there was the one, okay, there was the one where Myers got called for the foul after Boogie pushed off and traveled. And that, that one to me was, was absolutely crazy. And the game was already kind of going out of hand. That was one where thoughts got teed up, but mm-hmm. they ended up giving, I think they gave him the, yeah, they gave Boogie the end one on that. that mm-hmm. it, number one, it should have been an offensive yeah, Boogie foul. Boogie shot like six free throws on that play or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was up there forever. There was, there was a technical like foul. Yeah. It was just like, are, are you crazy? Um, but yeah, I mean, Myers took the shuck, which should have been an offensive foul. Then there was a travel and then came the foul by Myers. So and there was, there was just some stupidity going on in that. end. but again, Myers made him work. I'm not making an excuse for, for Myers here. It was a series of horrendous calls by Ed Malloy. Um, but Myers mm-hmm. challenged him at the three point line, made him shoot over the I top hate- of him. Uh, I I hate it when you make me have to like play the bad guy attacking Myers Leonard's play. No, (laughs) that's so unfair. You know, I I understand. Love Myers Leonard. People are people are saying, you know, why didn't we do this with Boogie? Why didn't we do that? Because Boogie's the best center in the league. That's why. 
he's the only guy in the entire NBA who's averaging over 10 boards and five assists. There are three guys in the league who can do everything that Boogie does at ridiculous size. LeBron James, Christoph Porzingis, DeMarcus Cousins. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I don't oh. put AD in that category is because AD's not, he's tall and he's long, but he's not built. And the reason, yeah, and he's before, a kind before of anybody goes crazy, Kristaps is bigger than AD. Like he's seven foot three, folks. There's a big difference between what Kristaps does and what AD does at their respective sizes. Kristaps is, is, there's a reason they call him the unicorn. As freaky as AD is, Kristaps is even more. Like it, that's, that's the insane part about all this. But what Boogie can do, and Stotts alluded to this in the post game. You can't double-team him because he can pass. You can't double-team him because he can face up. You can't put additional pressure on him. So Myers is on an island on one of the hardest matchups in the entire NBA from 26 feet out and in. For mm-hmm. Myers to be able to make him work on every single shot, regardless if Boogie hits it or not, that's what you're asking him for. Play good defense. If Boogie hits it, it's because he's one of the three most talented players in the NBA. Not because Myers didn't play good defense. Like, I, and then they'll take Myers out of it. Ed Davis, if you're putting Ed Davis on him, and, and here's the thing. Ed tried to, to guard Boogie a couple times, and I, this is why, I, I, kind of going back to why I think Myers would be on the floor spacing. Boogie shed Ed Myers like he was, or Ed Myers, Ed Davis like he wasn't there. <laughs> you, you got me making up names now. But he shed him a couple times like he wasn't there. And that's, that's crazy because Ed's strong as a horse. Myers is just, he's just a bigger dude than Ed. So it's difficult to move him out of the way. All in all, there is nothing with Myers' performance, and call me a Myers stan, Myers fan, Myers lover, whatever you want to call me. There was nothing wrong with his performance on either side of the floor last night. Like, it, the, there's no way that I would have given any of those minutes that Myers had to anybody else for what he gave that team. And that's the thing, is he played less than 16 minutes. Like, right. we're, yeah. we're not no, talking yeah, about Myers out like there he for was 30 playing. minutes. He did right. all I of wanted that. to actually interrupt a little bit because I want to say, you know, Myers was the backup center <laughs> yeah. and he did a, a really good job. Can you address uh, how Invisible or the was? rest of the committee um, uh, uh, guarded Boogie? Um, Nurkic was and, fine um, for the first. Asic? Yeah, Nurkic was fine for the first quarter. Uh-huh. But then, like I said, the, the, that, that switch flipped across the board, man. Like, the only guys that seemed to care out there for a period of time were Shabazz and Myers. Mm-hmm. Von Lane did too, um, but Shabazz and Myers were the only guys that on the defensive end where you could, you could see they still were engaged. Right. I don't know. I would say that uh, Dame still looked engaged to me, and, and so did CJ, because CJ was, knew that his shot wasn't falling. There were stretches where those, both those guys, and it's, it's, I think it's the first time this season where they both did it um, for a stretch of time just turned off because Drew Holiday and, and Rondo, while the percentages in their total shots made weren't crazy, I mean, they hit 13, 13 out of 27. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an okay night. It's nothing crazy. Combined, they scored 29 points. But it wasn't about necessarily them scoring as much as where they got to on the floor easily. And that's between them, they, cre- they created 17 assists. Mm, okay. That's that's a lot of playmaking. Seventeen of twenty-two assists came from those two guys, basically getting where they wanted with very little resistance. And, and that that's to a me, lot of assists. There were seventeen yeah. between two of them. Yeah, yeah. Giroux oh. had seven, and Rondo had ten. Um, so that's that's a problem. 
And right. that was kind of where I think things got sideways. Um, where Portland hasn't been beat by one pass a ton this season, the, like, you've usually had to gone to two or three to kind of get the, the integrity of the defense to break down. Um, against the Pelicans, it was one pass. And that, that's, that's a right. big-time well, problem. It seemed like the only way that the Blazers were going to, you know, to flip it to the offense, it seemed like the only way that the Blazers were going to have uh, the ability to um, get through Milwaukee was by those multiple passes and those multiple assists. Because and they're, with Milwaukee, there's just so many arms and legs that you, the only way your pass is going to make it through is if you've got someone like spinning, doing like, you know, the Dirk washing machine move. Yeah. That's the only way you're going to get it. The only way you're going to get it through. I've assist is something I've been wondering about too, because you know, the, the blazers have the fewest assists. Uh, they're averaging the fewest assists. assists in the league right now. Yeah, no, you know, um, is that's that, that's nothing new. Does that is that necessarily a problem, or is that it, just indicative of their type of play? It's it's both. It's a problem because here's the thing: is that Dame and CJ are both both capable playmakers. Nobody's going to confuse either one of them for Steve Nash. That's that's not their game. That's not what they're supposed to do. It's not what they're great at. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not. And I hate when I hear the the pure point guard. Like, there's no such thing as a pure point guard anymore. Like mm-hmm. these guys are just like, like there's, there's very few pure centers as well. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's not that they're not there. It's just that their point guards and guards in general are being called upon to do more than they've ever done before to set the play, mm-hmm. to score, to knock down threes, to finish inside, to fight through picks. I mean, the, like the amount of things that a guards, not even just point guards, just guards in general have to do in the NBA is crazy. Um, like James Harden is not as a quote unquote shooting guard, but he's leading the league in assists. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's not because he's, he has the vision of, you know, Steve Nash. I keep going to Nash or magic Johnson or, or, or any of these guys that are, have been, uh, traditionally phenomenal playmakers. It's because of their dictating the offense. James, here, here's one for the, all the people who hate ISOs. James Harden leads the NBA in ISO percentage. He creates mm-hmm. assists off his ISOs. Here's the thing. The Houston Rockets have a ton of guys who can knock down shots across the board. So to, to simplify it, when you say he creates assists off ISOs, that's because people come at him and then he's able to kick it out and yeah, he's you got have open to, guys you have to help. options. That's what you mean, right? Yeah, he's okay. one of the best finishers in the league. So you can't just, if he beats a guy off the dribble, you can't just let him get to the rim. Mm-hmm. And so here, here's the difference where Dame's doing the same thing, guys are helping freely. The guy that they're helping off of isn't Eric Gordon or P.J. Tucker or Chris Paul or Trevor Ariza. Like, or they don't have Clint, uh, Clint Capella running down the middle who's just like an absolute monster on the lob. And here's, the th- here's another thing. Chris Paul and James Harden both throw lobs better than anybody in Portland. Oh, I love those I, so I, much. I yes. wish we had a lob thrower so Cause, much. Because I think Nurt could be a guy. And heck, here's a crazy thought. Pat Connaughton. Pat yeah. got he's got bunnies. I think he has more I lobs. I thought it was going to be – I thought Jake Lehman would be good at it if he ever saw the floor. But the more I see Pat Connaughton on the floor, the more I think he'd be good. And the thing that surprises me, I think that Turner – I would think that Turner would love throwing those things. It seems like right down his alley. Turner's the best lob passer on this team right now. I, I feel like he would he should be doing more of that. But, like, to get back to the assist thing, so is that something that the Blazers, you feel like – should be addressing? No, it's, 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 is a, it, it's a product of the roster. 
it's a product of the roster. It's yeah. a product of the fact that they just don't have good enough. They don't or, have the horses. You know, reliable enough. Um, yeah. I mean, it's wings to, or to Myers Leonard out there enough to, uh, to move things around. Yeah. Okay. What, what are some other things like, especially after these last two games, I guess part of it is like, how should, how worried should we be as fans about the last two games? Okay. And then what did you see that you think are the things that, uh, the Blazers should be prioritizing in correcting? Look, I don't want to be all doomsday here. Cause the, the, but this is kind of like, we haven't talked about it much on the podcast because things have been going well, but this is what I was alluding to, to you know, before the season started. Like if you start dropping games that you can't, that you shouldn't be dropping at this, remember when we had the, the season preview, this is where we said, mm-hmm. okay, you can't drop these games because this next stretch, when you get into it is not where you can afford to screw around. There's mm-hmm. a period where they have Houston, Golden State, San Antonio. Um, yeah, it's like next week. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and it's all in a row and it's, it's not, it's not going to be fun. Like the the only team that I think that has a worse stretch in the next couple of weeks is Utah, and they play everybody that Portland plays, and then some mm-hmm. in a tighter schedule on the road. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's it's vicious what they have to go through. Um, so what are the things they need to focus on them? I mean, I know it's it, it obviously they need to do everything the, just exactly right. But you can't no turn the switch. That's the thing is like when, when they're recognizing the fact that they're overlooking an opponent, like that's not something you can address in practice. That's a that's that's a mentality thing. Like, Dame can't let that happen. If you're if you're the and I, I don't I don't often call it Dame because he doesn't do this very often. But if you're gonna be the leader of the team, like that that kind of stuff can't fly. Like you need a mm-hmm. Jawan Howard moment where an ice bath needs to go sideways in a locker room, mm-hmm. and that's not Dame's mo. Like, right. I, I, I kind of hope that, that maybe Yusuf he's Nurkic looking at Nurkic, that guy. Just, right? Because yeah. he's been the one who's freely saying all of these things. And oh my did. god, it was so that life comes at you fast. Was Wasn't that awesome a great line? Quote. Yeah, like you, <laughs> yeah. You, you basically you act dumb real quick, and guess what? In the NBA, you're gonna find out real quick what happens. And, and mm-hmm. kudos to Nurkic for realizing that because some people don't have the self awareness on teams, especially at 23 years old, to realize that. Now, mm-hmm. realization and, and reaction are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. So, like, how they, how they go about figuring that out, that's, that's the key question. Like, I wish I had the answer on that one because um, they showed, and I was definitely somebody who didn't um, think it was possible to have this kind of turnaround. Now, I don't totally believe in it to where they're at right now. With the defense um, being a, a top five unit, I think that's a little bit of fool's gold because of the schedule. But top ten, top twelve, I, I think that would that, be a big turnaround from I, last year. Yeah, I think it may be doable, and I, I, I was probably the biggest skeptic in the league um, of, of doing that. So, but that, that re- requires the commitment and turning off for entire halves, let alone uh, games, <laughs> is not something mm-hmm. you can do. Uh, in their position. I mean, even a team like Golden State or San Antonio or Houston, you can't do that in the NBA because every team in the league has a player or two that if you give them, you know, an inch, they'll take a mile. And when they get going, man, they can, I mean, hell, even the Lakers, we're talking about this Lakers Rockets game. I, like I, I'm still not that high on Brandon Ingram, but he had a game the other night where he just went absolutely ham. And if Brandon Ingram can do that for the Lakers, um, boogie, you give Boogie an inch, he's going to just absolutely kill you. And that's not to say that, that, that the Blazers gave Boogie an inch, but they gave everybody else an inch. 
and that more than mm-hmm. makes up for it. So they've got to find a way to tighten those screws before they do anything else. So you're thinking, so it, it's not me, not mechanical fixes. It's it's, um, it's it's that. And you know what's really interesting? I think is I think. I think the way that they've been playing and going back to these, the series of articles that Mike Richmond has written about the, the stuff that they're doing on defense. I think that they are trying to be very consistent with that. And I think this is the year that we're seeing the mechanical consistency um, that we didn't see before. And now I, you know, on top of that, they have to, you know, come out, come in with the right attitude. The attitude needs to be just as consistent. You know, they all talked about it at the, um, at media day, you know, that being accountable was knowing what your role is and doing it. Um, so it's, it seems like they've reached to the point yeah, where we've heard that lip service they, before. Like they we, know where everybody needs to stand. They yeah. know the, the plays that are going to run. They know, you know, how they're going to defend these various different things. Um, they just have to do it all of the time now. Yeah, and so I think- not a mechanical fix. A between the ears, we can do this. We can we can do this part of it too. Yeah, in the past, you could point to as far as mechanics and stuff like that go. You could point to personnel, as in Mason Plumlee was undersized at the center position and could cover up for the Dame CJ issues. Uh, those issues probably would have been less had Dame and CJ given more on the defensive side of the ball, but they were missing the the extra piece offensively. So you kind of went back and forth. So you could see how. Stotts would have a, a difficult problem addressing those issues. Now, with Nurkic in there, and uh, I think that people are to the point now where they can realize this, just by Nurkic's general size and presence, it deters a ton of shots. Like it, Whether or not he's engaged or not, and I think this is part of the problem, is that he's aware of it, and everybody else is aware of it, that it, he's just big. And just mm-hmm. by being a massive human being, you have this ability to, to guys just don't want to go in there. Mm-hmm. So you can get a little bit aloof. And then Dame or CJ sees that and goes, oh, you know what? I have that safety blanket behind me. But when that safety blanket's not turned on and doesn't care, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the then, Your safety blanket doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, when, you, when, when, you're, when your binky is, is, is all tattered and, and, and gone, then, you know, that, that's a problem. Because so, by the time, you know, the guys on the perimeter realize that, you know, it's the third quarter and you're down 20 to the freaking Pelicans without Anthony Davis. It doesn't matter that they didn't have Anthony Davis. Yes, this was always going to be hard. It would have been even, it might have been even worse, except for. No, no. Oh, yeah. No, they're, no they're, it that been roster. Even, it could have been even worse, but with just Boogie alone, that was tough enough. <laughs> That's the thing. Is like th- That roster should not, like from their guards to their forwards. Like this team doesn't have a real small forward. This, you know, the Blazers? The, the Pelican. No, well, the, the Blazers, okay. too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> get around to that point. So we should have ma- they should have matched up pretty evenly yeah, on I that. Mean, honestly, <laughs> as far as, like, depth take of, of wing back. play, those are probably, these are probably the two worst teams in the league as far mm-hmm. as, like, what they can give you, like, diversifying assets. And that's not taking shots at Pat Content. Like, Pat's been really good over the last couple games. Like, Pat, even in the he's Pelican game. He's been outplaying expectations yeah, for sure, I, I he, He's... As far as like a three and D guy is what you're expecting and what you're 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 wanting out of that role, where you're expecting ten to twelve points, couple rebounds, couple assists, play good defense and generate uh, 
an extra possession by getting an offensive rebound or getting a steal or getting a block from the weak side. Like he ticks all those boxes. Like I, I'm not going to yeah, look for at like $3 million a year. Yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not going to like look at Pat Connaughton and be like, why didn't Pat give us more? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, that's, that's crazy in my mind. Um, so, okay, so that, that, that part of it's fine. Amazingly, we've spent most of this time talking about the defense um, when the offense, which, has been. you know, there, yeah, there were, there were some concerns with the last couple of games, but amazingly they were sort of isolated this season. <laughs> um, what's going on with the offense? Um, I mean, we talked about CJ it, and that's he just a seems big to part. be on a, on and a streak. It's been amplified because, okay, let's, let's take a look at CJ's last couple of games. Four of 15 against New York, seven of 20 against Milwaukee. And that was after he bailed himself out. And 8 of 22 mm-hmm. against New Orleans. He didn't shoot over 37% in any of those games. Now, mm-hmm. before that, he was 10 of 19 and 11 of 20 against Brooklyn and Washington. But before that, he was 1 of 14 against Philly. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, and four out of his last six have literally been some of the worst nights of his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when, when I mean, he's struggling that much, you don't sit there and go, what's going on with the offense? You go... What the hell's going wrong with CJ? Right. I mean, he doesn't appear like nothing has changed with his mechanics. He no, doesn't it is have not like he's full shoulder or like broken hand or anything. Like you can't like see you, any outward. No, that's why you he's wonder like if it's to the left. Yeah, like you <laughs> wonder if it's just if, to the left. Like, did he roll an ankle in practice? Um, is he sick? Because uh, that's when you start like like going through the book. Like, okay, what could possibly be wrong? Because it's not like it's it's not like it's shot selection. Because mm-hmm. I'm, from watching his his the games, I'm not sitting here going, "God, CJ, that was a dumb shot." Because right. for CJ, like good, most yeah, shots are good. Shot. Yeah, like most shots in are, are for him are good shots. That's the thing is like CJ is one of the outside of Steph and KD. Uh, in, for my money, CJ's the best shooter in the league. Mm-hmm. The only the only hole in his game as far as shooting is finishing inside. Like, that's just, that's the what? only thing I, that I question. Hell, I mean, I put it down on Twitter. Uh, oh, God. I think, I think, I think that, that's when it all started. No. <laughs> but, but have, you know, joking aside. Thanks a lot, Danny. Yeah. Way uh, to go. There goes Danny. Danny's striking again. But I, I, I put it out on Twitter, and even CJ retweeted it. His synergy stats. He's the best spot-up shooter in the entire NBA at the time. Like, he was shooting mm-hmm. his effective field goal percentage on spot-ups, I think, or adjusted field goal percentage, was like 78%. Like just like these guys don't shoot that from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Like the, right. I mean, the, the numbers that he was projecting for the, on the catch and shoot were just, they were video game turned down to rookie level stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. so to expect some regression, yeah, but to expect that, that regression to just happen all at once, that's, that's, that's a kick in the potatoes. Like that's, that's not yeah. fun. And that's something that this team, because of the lack of, of diversity, um, in, in scoring, mm-hmm. just, they just can't recover from because you can't yeah. ask Pat Connaughton to, to drop 20. Like you can ask Nurkic to have a big night. Sure. You can ask Dame to have a big night. Absolutely. But to when CJ's, and we're not talking about like, Oh, he had an okay night. We're talking about just dumpster fire nights. One of 14 from a guy who averages 24 a game 
and is like a candidate for 50, 40, 90 or 45, 40, 90, whatever you want to call it, just a damn good shooter. Mm -hmm. And you don't have somebody behind him that, that can create off the bounce. You're, you're basically asking Damon Nurk to give you, you know, 40 a piece. That's just not fair. Well, and I think at the beginning of the season, there was, uh, it was unclear who besides Dame and Nurk and CJ were going to be able to fill in, you know, on any given night. And I think one, you know, good thing that we can turn to is that we're getting, we are getting pretty regular production of some kind out of Pat Connaughton. We've had a lot of nights from, Noah Vonley. uh, Vonley's you, uh Noah Vonley, quite a bit. You, uh, uh, who, who, Shabazz Napier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had more people than I was expecting at the beginning of the season able to kind of fill in there and here in a little bit. And Aminu back. Um, so, yeah, Aminu yeah, started I, the season it, off fantastic. I mean, when when Dame was struggling out of the gate, Aminu was, I mean, just cannon threes. So I'm like, like mm-hmm. you're getting what you expect out of like, he, and this is why I, I kind of alluded to that 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 darkness creeping in. Out of okay, other than CJ having his bad nights, you're you're getting kind of what you expect out of guys. Now Harkless has fallen off mightily. Like contributions from him have been next to nothing. But you're getting probably Harkless production out of Pat Connaughton. So mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. that's a pretty even trade as far as like mm-hmm. what you're getting out of those guys. Noah Vonley has given quite a bit. Um, Nurkic in um, you know he's had some big games. Yeah, I mean, other than like if you look at Nurkic's numbers post. Um, October, like if you're from like November 1st on, because he struggled the first week and a half of the season, first 10 games mm-hmm. or so. Um, I think he's averaging like 17 and nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I'd be, that's, I, that's, that's pretty damn good, right? I'd be curious to see just lining up like on those nights where if C, if CJ had a, a poor shooting night, what, how much the Blazers would have scored had he had more like a regular expected night, you know? So like, is his, like how much is his lack of shooting right now um, affecting the wins and losses? Not that like, you know, I CJ would, can handle the pressure of that. Yeah, like, so I I'm not like saying, pretty heavy. CJ's bond. Okay. But, now you know. if we're talking about like factors for waiting wins and losses, mm-hmm. Dame CJ production, way heavier than anything else more than Mm -hmm. defense more than rebounding more than than the other guys like if one of those guys like you can handle one of those guys having an okay night because their okay nights are still 22 points they just their their percentages are down like they're still they just have to take more shots to get there (laughs) exactly they're still getting them but like cj's production has just been a dumpster fire in these bad nights 12 15 17 that's how many points you're getting from him in the last three games. Like these, well, these you, are like, you know, I don't like the term dumpster fire, but, but those are not good for CJ. No, I mean, <laughs> you can't survive game unless Dean or Nurk just gets stupid hot or the Knicks play absolutely horrid basketball, which was the case in the Knicks game. Like the first half of the Blazers, um, you, you probably see the first three quarters was very good basketball outside of CJ. Mm-hmm. I mean, the production you got from everybody else was very good, but it was also a case of the Knicks being the Knicks. And here's the crazy thing is the Knicks up until that point, I think they were nine and two at home 
Like the mm-hmm. and, and Porzingis has had and credit to Noah Vonley and not to get off track or anything here, but like Porzingis had his worst game of the season as far as like overall production. Now I think part mm-hmm. of that was that was Porzingis having a bad night, and the other part of that was Noah Vonley playing very well against him. But if that's a normal night for Porzingis in the Knicks not just going full blown stupid, that's another game that Portland could possibly drop because CJ's four of fifteen in that game. And we just don't see that kind of thing from him. Well, one of the things that I have enjoyed about this year, even though there have been, you know, there, along with the highs, there have been some lows. There's certain players who I have grown to trust a lot more than I ever have in their ability to do what is expected of them on the basketball court. And one of them is oh, heck CJ. Yeah. Um, and another one is someone you've uh, brought up several times, Noah Vonley. Um, and one of to... I guess we're going to have to kind of wrap it up here pretty soon so that we can end up on a more positive note. Um, I'm wondering who do you think um, is the player who over like the last, you know, 10 games or five games, uh, who are the best players on this team right now? Who are the team to the players who are bringing the most to the team right now? Throw I guess, out. I don't know. Outside of Dame. Cause no, he's well, so I, essential. I, I, I have to give him the, the props here because I, I beat him up pretty, pretty heavy early in the season as far as, what he was doing, especially with his shot selection, like he mm-hmm. he had some like some pretty baffling games right. yeah. where you're just you like, haven't complained about his shot selection for a while. No, like, and that was the thing. Like in the first couple weeks, I was like, man, that's there. There were some stupid shots. Like, Dame, yeah. stop taking those. The last couple weeks, he's not only is his have, have his stats been phenomenal. Um, he is his shot selection, and uh, with the exception. The New Orleans game is kind of a weird one because I think he was taking shots like to try to get some energy in the building, try to get some energy in the crowd, in the team, that kind of deal. So those some of those pull-up 35-footers, while you're not thrilled with them, you kind of understand them because of what he yeah, was trying to accomplish. Yeah, but that one from that one spot. You're talking about from, from the logo, from the, from the Moto Center logo? Yeah. yeah. And that, was, and that was the one that kind of made me go, damn, come on, man. Like, I, I get why he did it. But you're still, you're like, dude, 20 seconds on the clock, 35 feet from the logo. That's. That's his shot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but but otherwise, he's he's been phenomenal. He has been absolutely, I mean, he's a legit, over the last month probably, he's a legit MVP style candidate. It's from the production. Do you he's think he's going to make it to the All-Star? Um, if the game of the past few weeks continues and he gets his numbers back up and and the Blazers don't get murdered over this next 60 days. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think he awesome. will, because I think one of the OKC guys is going to get left out. Yeah. I, I think Mello may, Mello may move West and get left out. As crazy no. as that is. Um, and, and while the vote may get him in, um, I, I honestly think that, that he may end up getting left out because of, of how things are kind of sprinkled around. Uh, especially with OKC. For the life of me, I do not understand struggle. the current obsession with Mello. I do not understand it. Um, but I don't want to get sidetracked by that. But so, yeah, no, Damien, you're, you've got lots of great, pra- 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 but great beyond, praise But beyond those guys, um, Nurkic has brought it for the most part. Again, we're, we're, we're just going to kind of caveat this and toss out the Pelicans game. We're just going to burn that game tape um, for all these guys. Um, Vonley. Vonley's a guy who I, I kind of beat up in, coming into the season you know, with his shoulder injury, I'm like, is he even going to find the floor because of the production that, that Aminu was giving? 
um, and, and, you know, what we were getting out of Swanigan early on. Um, I'm like, are they even going to find minutes for him because his contract's coming up? Um, and to his credit, man, he's worked his butt off. Like he's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think we've really had a like non-existent Von Lay night other than maybe his first couple games back where he was trying to round himself into form. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's been out, so that's just kind of where it is. Um, Shabazz. But can we talk about his dribble through the paint and his finishing at the rim? Oh my God. Okay. So I had a awesome. few people over, um, for, for the game. And the reaction was stunned silence. It followed by uh, a lot of laughter and just kind Who of. Who are like, these people, Dan? Like throwing, you should have invited like, me over like there because I was cheering for him the entire time he was dribbling that ball. Like, I mean, it was it was an adventure in theater, right? Like, <laughs> like I, even thinking about it right now, I'm just kind of smiling because it was the fact, <sighs> like that it happened. It was it was kind of hilarious, but it was also kind of cool at the same time. But uh, to get back to Vonley, though, he's he has been involved a lot in a lot of those fun energy bringing finish the quarter. Well, you know, yeah, exciting uh, plays, a block, a dunk, uh, running the floor hard, setting a screen, a big time rebound, a big time block. Like he's had a couple weak side blocks that were just like, whoa, mm-hmm. OK, like uh, I, I, I do love a, a good block um, I, while I do prefer the Bill Russell method um, of blocking the shot to a teammate or blocking an inbound so that you can get it. I'm also a big time fan. Like if I had to choose, I want, like, the- I want the Dikembe. <laughs> like I want, I want, no, 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 no. I want the finger wag. I want somebody's beer spilled. Like who's not paying attention to the game. <laughs> like I want it all to happen. Like, and Vonley's given a few of those. Um, right. Napier gets, gets my brass cojones award because there's not a, not a shot in this world that he will turn down. And while there's times where he shouldn't take it, I, I love the fact that he take him and Pat, like mm-hmm. Pat has come off screens and taken shots with the defender. He had one against, um, it was the Milwaukee game in New Orleans game. He came off a down screen on the three point line, caught it one legged squared up. It was very Dame esque the way Dame will mm-hmm. come off that or, or, or CJ mm-hmm. even that one leg kind of, yeah, lean I can fade. picture it. Well, Pat had that exact same shot and didn't hesitate. Like the 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 audacity to take that shot um, is something that I really admire in a player. Um, with a guy like Nick Young, <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? But when you actually have it in your bag, like Nick Young mm-hmm. does, he just takes it more frequently, um, or yeah. he did earlier in his career. Um, I, I think well, that's he did a, it a lot sign. for effect. I think, yeah. Where, <laughs> whereas, where it's when it's needed, yeah. And I think Pat and, and Shabazz have both had shots like that, where you're like, like, you don't even question it because they're so comfortable taking that shot and so confident in it that you're like, okay, I respect that. Right. Like it's the same. It's the it's the it's the antithesis of Myers. Not to go back to Myers. Like when he hesitates on a shot, you know he should be taking. Mm-hmm. It's it's the, it's a complete opposite thing. Like when Pat or Shabazz dribbles off a pick and steps into it with full confidence, you're like, okay, you're confident you can take that shot and you've shown yeah. you can hit it. I'm 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 cool with this. Do do the damn thing, man. So those guys have Absolutely. really shown out a, a lot so, recently. 
I got I have two things to say. One thing, you know, so I talked I, I talked earlier about how I, I, I tend to just trust this team more this year. I just trust that the things are they're gonna do the thing well the way that they I mean they don't always Isn't that fun? at least have the trust. You, it you're is, not it's like, fun. oh my but god, the, what's gonna happen here? The other thing is is I'm not screaming at the TV about don't hesitate anymore. Like I rarely am. There was so much hesitation last year all well, the time. I mean, get the I ball and then think about what to do with it. I don't want to bring the, the bus out, but King Hesitator's gone. I mean, I don't want to run him <laughs> over, but right. be God but, crap, I, I, how but many I think times? things like that are contagious. I think when you've got people who don't hesitate as much, that's contagious. Like Pat Connaughton doesn't hesitate for a moment. Napier doesn't hesitate for I think a moment. There's two parts Meyer of that. still hesitates because he's very cerebral and he's also super tall. And I think it takes a long time for like everything to process through his giant body. But from, I, from you know, the brain he's the even hands. hesitating less. Yeah, it takes a long time to to get up there. But even he is hesitating less. I think there's two parts um, to, the, to the Shabazz Connaughton thing. One, they're they're confident, and I, I think that's mm-hmm. that's a real thing. Two, and people will argue with this one way or the other. I don't care, but money is on the line. Right. They, they want, like, there's, there's yeah. absolutely something to being in a contract here. You can argue with it all you want. I will yell at you and scream, la, 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 in your face. Also, Vonley and Ed Davis. Yes. Aren't they in yes. contract? I mean, money so is we've on got the a line. lot of guys playing for a lot yeah. right so now. Yeah, so you want to be confident. Like, even if you're not confident, fake it till you make it. Like that, that's, that's just something that I think that is inherent with those guys. And maybe part of the reason why uh, I don't, I don't want to start anything, but maybe part of the reason why is Harkless got a little bit comfortable. And that's why he made some of those comments, you know, a couple weeks back about, you know, I feel like I'm just in a track meet and I'm not getting the ball where I need it. Blah, blah, blah. Pat Connaughton's in a track meet too, folks. He's getting the ball exactly where he wants it. Yeah. And, he, and he's making. And, and he's it, running as fast as he can. Yeah. And <laughs> as far as like making and creating shots, like the fast break opportunities, how many times have we seen Pat Connaughton and since he's been a starter get out on the break and run the floor? I've seen yeah. a whole lot more than I, I saw mean, from Mo Harkless when he was starting. So a lot of it's one, mm-hmm. two. So and again, that comes right. back to, you know, confidence and, you know, maybe get some money, which I, I, I have absolutely no problem with that being a motivating factor. Especially when it's working in our favor. I got one more comment to make about Napier, and then I think we probably should be winding it up here. But I, I didn't want to let this observation go away because I was so pleased with myself about it. Um, <laughs> the uh, when we were when they were playing against Philadelphia, um, and this happened before against other teams, but a lot of teams try to switch to get Napier stuck on whoever's the tallest person on the field. So he was ending up on Embiid like several times. And you can see like Shabazz Napier, like getting switched onto Embiid and him just looking up. And how hilarious no it was. No fear. Yeah. Napier. And I, I like have to, I was like, Oh my God! You know, Shabazz has been switched on to Embiid, but you know what? If anybody could do it, it's Shabazz. Here's the thing about I mean, Shabazz: it goes people, back to that confidence. People who may not realize, like Shabazz, may have been a, a late first round pick and kind of flamed out in Miami and, and and Orlando, and was kind of an afterthought here. Shabazz Napier led UConn to a national title as the primary option. Mm-hmm. Like Shabazz, he's a two-time champion. Yeah, like, he's a good. Good player. Yeah, like Shabazz was a no doubt like bully in college. Like he got buckets. And mm-hmm. he he is the the dude does not lack in confidence. You know, he never has. Yeah. And he, he's got some dog in him. And uh, 
Like for, for anybody who <laughs> doesn't exactly. know, like he, yeah, Yukon's not exactly the place you think of when you think about got some dog in you, but, and yeah, I get that there are other Huskies, blah, 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 the horrible jokes. Um, but like, there are just guys, he just, like, he just you make it in this league up. because yeah, exactly. You're he just not afraid. right up to these big guys and the fact that they're a foot taller than him and have, I don't know what, 50 pounds on him more than 50, 50. pounds. I don't know. Oh, you're getting close I, to a hundred. Okay. <laughs> like, like, anyway, like Baz is six foot on a good day, and I would guess probably one soaking wet, one eighty five. Yeah. So, and Embiid's two ninety. Yeah. So okay. I mean, That's, so yeah, Embiid has Embiid literally has a foot and a hundred pounds. Yeah, but I, I just I, I go otherwise back to that known as the heaviest that, bag like, of potatoes. Thing. Ever. I was like, you know what? If anybody could handle <laughs> Embiid right now. You know, I mean, I think Noah Vonley is the person that we preferred to have on him. But if it happened, you know, yeah, I, don't I mean, know. I mean he, he, had, he had a fighter's chance, I guess. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're gonna if you're if you're just measuring confidence, it's it's a pretty pretty fair fight. Embiid's still up there because he's Embiid. Um, mm-hmm. But like, if if you just took their confidences out and put them five by side by side of each other to fight, um, they'd be the same side. About the same. Yeah, size. I mean, Napier's got a puncher's chance. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you put them side by side physically, whoo boy! I think we should end on this because it's a very positive. Why? Because note, Dan. my 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 energy drinks are just now kicking oh. in. <laughs> just now, <laughs> I I think that um, you don't need to listen to little... two times speed. I I know I was worried about that earlier when you were talking. I was like, what about the people who listen to their podcast fast? Do you listen to podcasts fast, Dan? Um, certain podcasts. I listen to him on like 1.3. That's like as fast. I'm about ready to maybe go up to 1.4, but I'm up to like 1.3 right I, now. I do and I'm thinking, for, oh my God, if people few. are going to be thinking that Dan is on 1.3 automatically. No, I did. For everybody were. who's wondering like why I'm talking so fast, um, I mainline like three energy drinks in the span of like a couple hours tonight uh, because I was just completely dragging it after a ridiculously long night last night. So just take them right behind the curtain, Dan. Yeah. I just thought that everybody thought that you were just that excited about the trailblazers. No, that it's, too, it's right? a little bit of, little, little bit of both. And I'm going to go ahead and take this opportunity because I get to do, uh, all, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, besides the blazers edge podcast before, before we were taken out of here, um, pay attention both to the blazers edge feed and to my feed over the next day or so for some, for some cool news. Um, uh, I, I, I get, I get the green light. So by the time this podcast comes out, I should within a few hours be able to talk about it. So um, yeah, I got some pretty cool stuff that, that that's coming out that I hope uh, that everybody else gets to enjoy as much as I get to. Are you trying out for the team, Dan? Are they going to give you a spot? They're giving you a roster. They're spot? giving me a ten day at the. It's, <laughs> the secret is out. My turnaround, one legged fadeaway. My my Dirk fadeaway. My old man game is so strong. You got to get me into one of the practices so that I can, you know, I can watch you and cover it. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll get you the exclusive. <laughs> well, so the the message is for folks to watch out for some exciting breaking news from Dan. Woo-hoo. Also, to uh, follow Dan, uh, Danny, your handle? At Dmarang. I'm still debating. You know, I, I need to run it by my publicist if I need to change the handle. <laughs> your agent. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me at TZB Biggs. You can also follow Blazers Edge on Twitter. You can find the podcast on BlazersEdge.com. And, of course, we have on the one and only Blazers Edge Night coming up. Oh, 
It is yes, the holiday. Yes, yeah, I, I got you. You know, my I did teammate. Forget, and you remember. You're my teammate. I got you covered. Blazers Edge Night coming up. Um, this is the holiday season. This is kind of when things start to ramp up, and, and people are are looking to give back. Um, we understand that this this that time of year where people are looking to do those sort of things, and people are in need of uh, a lot of different things. And this is just a really really cool way um, for folks to give back. Um, there's also remember you can like last year. Um, we have our partnership um, where, you know, buy some socks, get some, get some tickets donated. Um, this year the socks are, are just as cool as last year. Uh, my Blazers Edge socks from last year have become my lucky socks, as Tara can attest to. Um, Why didn't you wear them um, on Saturday night? You um, should have worn them on Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, I, I didn't think get I need them. those washed and ready for Tuesday. I, I didn't think I need them. Ah, that's a problem. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that if you want to donate, you, you can donate. <laughs> please do um if you can donate and you can get to the game um go that night because it is a awesome awesome experience to see an arena full of kids who've never been to a blazers game experience a blazers game live it like it like it puts you know goosebumps all up and down my arms you know the hairs in your arms stand up it just it's just a giant smile fest for for all the kids and the adults too so um, in the last couple years, I think the Blazers have come through with a win on Blazers. Massive, too, so. In massive performances. Last year was the Nurkic game against Philly. Mm-hmm. So um, that was fun. some cool stuff. Right. So all the information about how to donate tickets to Blazers Edge Night is going to be in the on BlazersEdge.com. Basically, you purchase a ticket, um, you know, through a, using a certain code, and it goes to Blazers Edge, and then somebody uh, makes sure that they get uh, given out to uh, students and chaperones. In addition, let's see what else do we have to tell people. Okay, I'll I go back everything. to. Well, we've got to go back to iTunes and Stitcher so you can find the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Give us likes and um, reviews if you like what you're hearing. I I think that's about it. Did we cover it? I I don't know. We'll figure it out. This was really fun, Dan. It was fun talking to you tonight. (laughs) You know, I I mean, not that it's not usually fun. You know, you got to put yourself in the right frame of mind. I I get it. I get it. You, You know. But uh, you know, listen, I, I want I want this to go well over the next few weeks, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer. So like, I'm, I'm trying to you know Namaste, home, enjoy. Make, Do it for Fan Dan. Like, Do I, it for Fan Dan. Like I'm I'm hoping it does because I, I want Fan Dan to be happy. But um, let, let, let's hope and, and and pray and beg for the basketball gods to be kind. And let's just end it with that. Heyo.